Hello, hello, lovely listeners, all of you ghouls and goblins, and everything in between. Welcome to Across the Veil with Zelda Kimball and Emma Ragsdale. So, Emma. So, Zelda. Who's your favorite ghost? I know that's a very open-ended question. Yeah. <laughs> it could be, you know, a real ghost, a fake ghost, ghost in media. Who's your favorite ghost? I mean, I'm always a fan of, like, the ring ghost, Samara. Ooh! Partially for vanity reasons, because she looks like me. Absolutely. You know what? <laughs> Fair enough. But also, I love the drama of, like, making people dread their deaths for seven days. Like That is an excruciating period of time. Yeah, and it's all about, like, videotapes and movies mm-hmm. and, like, girl knows drama. I love that about her. She crawls from the TV, scares shit out of people. Big fan. My favorite ghost? Mm-hmm. Danny Phantom. I should have fucking known. It's a He's a good ghost. He's a good ghost. He's only half ghost. Half ghost, half boy. Um, I love Danny Phantom. I do too. I was very into him as a child. If the CW needs to do gritty remakes of childhood favorites, mm-hmm. Danny Phantom's right for oh, the taking. Please. Because then you could really play up the like horror of the ghost. Because it was yeah. a kid's show. I would love to see a horrifying Danny Phantom. And also I should play Sam. Absolutely. But like age him up. Age him up. Age him up to college. What? Stop doing shit in high school. Age everyone Please. up to college. Then you don't have to care about the parent characters. Because you never include them, so might as well make them in college, and then we also don't have to feel weird about seeing, like, underage kids doing all this weird shit. Yes, and also, you don't have a four-year time period, because mm-hmm. people can stay in college for many years if they keep taking classes. Especially if they're dealing with a ton of drama. Like, they're going to take some time off. They're going to take fewer classes. They're going to do extra years. Easier. Set things in college, things not in college. high school. Please. I know the last ghost I did, Olive Thomas. A Hollywood story, Hollywood heroine. Queen. Has a Wikipedia page. Mm-hmm. Here's the tragic tale of another failed actress. <gasps> Peg and Twistle. It's a stupid name. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know what? You're right. I just, I feel like it's disrespectful to be like, fucking stupid name. It is disrespectful, but she did choose it. Well, if she chose it, then it is just a stupid name. She did choose her stage name, which was Peg Entwistle. Why? I don't know, because she was born Millicent Lillian Entwistle in Port Talbot, Wales on February 5th, 1908. Man, but like, why couldn't she be Lily? I was literally just thinking that. You could have been Lily in Entwood. That would have been cool. How do you get Peg from Millicent? And how is Peg... You ask her nicely. (laughs) (laughs) That was a good one. Thank you. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Please tell me about Peg. Peg me. (laughs) Yeah, let me peg you real quick. Peg me real quick. So, I don't know how one turns Millicent Lillian into Peg, but she did. Mm-hmm. And I will be calling her her chosen name from now on. Peg immigrated to the States in 1916. Her father, Robert Entwistle, was also an actor. And after he passed, which unfortunately was a hit-and-run accident on Park Avenue in 1922, oh. Peg and her two younger half-brothers moved in with their uncle, who was a manager to Broadway stars. Mm-hmm. Nepotism. 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 Where do I get me some of that? Oh my god, could you imagine? Right? Peg soon found her way onto the stage, and was actually making quite a name for herself. In 1925, when she was just 17, she played the role of Hedvig in a production of Henrik Ibsen's The Wild Duck. And this is a crazy story. After seeing the play, Betty Davis, who went on to become an iconic American actress, Mm -hmm. told her mother, I want to be exactly like Peg Entwistle. That's amazing. Like, that is a recorded quote. 
of Betty Davis saying wow. about Peg. That's a cool thing yeah. for people to say about That's you. At really 17. At 17. Numerous actresses have since, like, in the 20s and 30s, turned down the role she played because they saw her playing it and they were like, I can't do it like she was. At 17. But she was in another play and she was put in the newspaper and the quote was, Peg did a great performance, much better than the play provided her. <gasps> wow. She was a great stage actress. Mm -hmm. So, unfortunately for Peg, she was usually cast as a comedic side character or the good-hearted ingenue because of her youthful appearance. She wasn't ever really given challenging roles, which was something that she was obviously very disappointed by, and here's an excerpt that she told a reporter in 1929. I would rather play roles that carry conviction. Maybe it's because they are the easiest, and yet hardest, things for me to do. To play any kind of an emotional scene, I must work up to a certain pitch. If I reach this in my first word, the rest of the words and lines take care of themselves. But if I fail, I have to build up the balance of the speeches. And in doing this, the whole characterization falls flat. I feel that I am cheating myself. I don't know whether other actresses get this same reaction or not. But it does worry me. She's cool. She's, like, got the She's artsy thing down. Oh. And what's so tragic is, like, I read that and I'm like, yeah. Yeah. She has to, like, build up the emotion mm -hmm. and then it carries her. But she can't stop and start, which, spoiler for the story ahead, Peg was an incredible stage actress and unfortunately she couldn't translate to screen acting mm -hmm. where so much of the acting is stop and start. Yeah. And she was struggling with that even back in 1929. Mm -hmm. Like, she had a hard time stopping and starting. She liked to carry things through. She needed a full story. Yes. Which, as a stage actress, totally yeah. allowed to do. Yeah. But also, she was living during the Great Depression. Yeah. When stage acting, there was no money in that. No money. And she just couldn't do film acting which is where the money was at that time. But she was incredible on stage, as many people have said. And she inspired film actors. It's honestly very tragic what happens to incredibly her. Incredibly tragic. Especially from your and I perspective, because most of our training comes from the stage. It's true. And we're willing to do both, but you and I are having the same problem right now, where, especially in Los Angeles, you do not make the same money being on stage as you do being on screen. And it's not to say that screen acting isn't difficult. That's just where the money is. It's true. And I enjoy both. Mm -hmm. Would love to do both. Totally different energies. Yeah. Very different styles of acting. 100% different. And now you can learn yeah, how to do both. You couldn't take classes back then, especially mm -hmm. not during the Great Depression. Like, if you're a stage actor during the Great Depression, you're not going to earn a huge amount of money. You're not going to be able to pay to take, like, the classes that were finally coming out or around that time about screen acting. Mm -hmm. Because that style of acting had also only barely just been discovered. Yeah. No, it was new. It was, it was about... new. God, 20, 30 years old at that time? Exactly. Ba like, hard. They hard. just got out of silent movies. Ex and that's also a completely That's a completely... Different... Like, silent movie actresses couldn't transition to talkies, which is what they called movies mm -hmm. with voices in them. Because it was a totally different medium of artistic expression. Because before it was just all based on your facial expressions, how big you could make those, your eyes. You would you would talk, but that wasn't the main purpose because yeah. you wouldn't get your voice. Mm -hmm. It was more akin to mime, which is a totally valid form. Mm -hmm. 
It's just different. Different. So Peg was literally caught in between the nexus of two huge world events. Mm -hmm. And she couldn't quite figure her way out. She didn't have a bridge. Which was so tragic for this obviously very talented young woman. Incredibly talented actress. And to make matters worse, in April of 1927, Peg married fellow actor Robert Keith. Their marriage only lasted two years until 1929, where she divorced him on grounds of cruelty and failure to disclose that he had previously been married and had a six-year-old son. Oh my god! That was just something you could do back in those days. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is even getting sadder. I'm so sorry. This is a sa very sad story. Peg's last Broadway appearance was in early 1932 in the play Alice Sit by the Fire by J.M. Barry. Unfortunately, she had an alcoholic co-star, Lorette Taylor, who missed two evening performances, and the play was canceled. Oh my god! The other actors were given a week's salary instead of a cut of the box office like they had been promised. Which happens. Yeah, it does. Like, this is before swings. Respect to swings. Mm -hmm. Oh my god, We yeah. love swings we in love this household. Swing. You're doing the hardest job in the play. We know mm -hmm. that. This was, like, before that was, like, a thing. Yeah. So, like, you show up to set, your lead's been gone for two nights. There's nothing you can do. And Broadway is definitely run on ticket sales. That's mm -hmm. why tickets are so expensive. So the producers of this show... They're like, this is not profitable for us. We can't trust this lead actress to show up. We have to shut it down. And then everyone is fucked. Everyone is fucked. Unions are a few years away from this. So, yeah. like, they got a week's pay. That is awful. For that a play awful. that should have run for a few months. Jesus Christ. So that was the last time she was ever on stage in New York. Peg actually ended up making it to LA later that same year at the height of the Great Depression. She did manage to star in a play called The Mad Hopes, which also starred Billy Burke, who you might know as Glinda the Witch in The Wizard of Oz. Ayo. So she was working up there in the yeah, big leagues. She was getting up there. The play did well, and buzz around Peg as being a great co-star actually brought her the attention of radio pictures which would later become RKO, mm -hmm. which is like a huge yeah, production company huge. during that time. And she was cast in her one and only credited film role. The movie was a high budget thriller called 13 Women, and Peg played a small supporting role as a husband murderer called Hazel Cousins. I love that. Unfortunately, I'm saying unfortunately a lot in this. Because it is unfortunate. It's, all of it's just like a trickle down of really awful things to happen to this poor, very talented woman. Mm -hmm. The film premiered in October of that year and was honestly not regarded with any great fanfare. By the time it was re-released in 1935, 14 minutes had been cut from the film, bringing Peg's screen time from about 16 minutes to four. Oh, Peg. It is credited as being one of Hollywood's first all-female ensemble films. Very cool. Two actresses were cut out of the final release entirely. Not cool. It's about 74 minutes. Oh, wow. It's that is not long. People hated women. That's like a long TV show. The thing about women in these days, people didn't really care for them unless they had a husband. Very true. Mm -hmm. Four minutes of screen time. That's nothing. Tragically, on September 18th, an unnamed woman was hiking below the Hollywoodland sign, which was changed to just Hollywood in 1949. The hiker found a single shoe, a purse, and a jacket. Inside the purse, she found a suicide note that said, I am afraid. I am a coward. I am sorry for everything. If I had done this a long time ago, it would have saved a lot of pain. Oh, no. Oh. 
Zelda's crying. It's okay. <laughs> I just wrote this too. The letter was signed P.E. The hiker looked down the mountain and found the crumpled body, which she immediately reported to the Los Angeles police, and then laid the items on the steps of the Hollywood police station. A little callous, to be honest. Very callous. The police retrieved the body, and it was identified a few days later by her uncle. She had been missing for two days, and the suicide note was actually published in the newspaper. <gasps> Awful! Again! So, he ended up connecting the dots because it was signed P.E. and his niece had been missing. Yeah. Peg Entwistle. Like, yeah. could you imagine reading somebody's suicide note, seeing the initials and being like, Oh my god, that's my niece. Mm -hmm. That, oh, Jesus. He told the police that on the 16th of that month, she had left the house to go for a walk and to the drugstore and to see a few friends. But in reality, she had climbed the southern slope of Mount Lee, found a workman's ladder, and hurled herself 45 feet off the top of the H. The coroner listed her cause of death as multiple fractures of the pelvis. Oh no! She laid pussy down? No, that seems like a stupid feminine way to describe somebody hurling themselves 45 feet. Yeah, it does. Wait, like, why, what about her, like, neck? Neck or back. I mean, like, I guess, like, your pelvis fractures, I guess it could puncture things. Mm -hmm. But, like. Like, why wouldn't cause of death be falling from a great height? Or internal bleeding. Mm -hmm. Something else had to have happened. I think they were being flowery. Mm -hmm. mm. Mm. Coroner. Her death was sensationalized in Hollywood as a huge, tragic, yet glamorous scandal. I mean, the poetry of jumping off of the Hollywood sign is definitely much more poignant now, mm -hmm. as the Hollywood sign back when she was alive was initially meant to be an advertisement for the nearby Hollywoodland real estate development. I feel like that's a really important thing to note. It really is. Because I think that when you hear about someone jumping off of the Hollywood sign, you think she's doing it for the dramatics mm -hmm. or anything like that. But at that time, that was not the case. Nobody thought of it that way. She jumped off of a real estate development sign during the Great Depression when mm -hmm. she couldn't get jobs in her field. Mm -hmm. That's what's really fucking poignant. Even worse if you think about it in that concept with today's, you know... Mm -hmm. Rent is so fucking high. People aren't appreciating the arts. They're mm -hmm. not giving money to the arts. Yeah. So I think her story is definitely a cautionary tale of treat your artists well. Yeah. The real estate sign, which cost Harry Chandler, the developer, $21,000. Back in those days, shit ton That's of fucking money. a huge amount of money. Huge amount God of money. Damn. Yeah. So he had this huge amount of money to build a fucking a sign. sign. And she was like, fuck you. She couldn't get work. There was no money on Broadway, so she moved to LA to do acting, which she was good at. Mm -hmm. Multiple people said she was very good. She just didn't have the look. Mm -hmm. Wasn't getting cast in anything in Hollywood. And couldn't make money off of theater. Couldn't make money doing film. This was her chosen career. Her father was also an actor. This was a family thing. Mm -hmm. And this guy spends a boatload of money making a sign? A sign for his real estate development company. Disgusting. I would have thrown myself off it too. <laughs> Me too. Some people say that her ghost still haunts the sign to this day. In the 1940s, the H that Peg had jumped off mysteriously toppled over, and it was the only letter in the sign to do so, hmm. which many people thought was a sign that her vengeful ghost was still haunting the area. In the 1990s, a young couple was hiking the Griffith Park Trail when they saw a disoriented young blonde woman who was dressed in 1930s clothing who disappeared moments later. 
They claimed to the local news that they had no idea that a suicide had ever happened there. Many park rangers also claim to have seen the ghost, mostly on foggy nights. According to quite a few anecdotes, the ghost is often accompanied by an overwhelming smell of gardenias, which was a very popular perfume smell in the 30s, said to be Peg's favorite. Mm. What would your ghost smell be? Juicy guitar. <laughs> it's, the only, it's the only perfume I actually own. <laughs> Not even your perfume, like, but if your ghost had a smell, what would your ghost smell be? That one Hermione candle. Ooh, from Bijou Candles. Yeah. Best candle ever. It's kind of like a cedar, like... Cedar, thyme, musky. musky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be like that. What about you? Pina colada. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That checks. Tell us, what would your ghost smell like? Tweet us on Twitter. Send us a message on Instagram. Make sure it smells good. Or really gross. Yeah, like, be really artistic. Don't say it would, like, smell like rotting meat. Which meat? Yeah. No, give us something. Specifics. Build us a castle in our minds. Yeah. Be like, it would smell like the alley behind the Whole Foods on a Thursday. The winds of the cliffs of Moor in Ireland. Man, this was more dramatic. I think they were very different. Yeah, so we're saying, give us something interesting to smell. Mm Mm-hmm. The haunted Hollywood H has definitely become a cornerstone in slightly morbid popular culture. That awful Percy Jackson movie even had the H be the gateway to Hades, but it's not all totally doom and gloom. In 2014, about 100 Los Angelites, Los Angelians? I don't know. People who live in LA gathered at the parking lot of a Beachwood market in Hollywood to watch Peg's first and last movie, 13 Women and the proceeds from the raffle were donated to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention in her name. That's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of nice. I think it's beautiful that they did that. It's a kind way to remember her. It's the perfect way to remember her. Because it's not demonizing her. It's showing off like the work that she was able to get and do. Mm-hmm. And then also trying to keep people from befalling the same sort of fate that she did. Yeah, and a lot of people are like, Oh, she's the girl who threw herself off the Hollywood sign. No. No! No. She was- It's the Great Depression! First of all, she threw herself off the Hollywood land sign, which had a very different meeting. Still poignant. Still Still very poignant if you think about it in that context. But, like, this was just a woman who was- who- She had nothing. It was hard out there. Yeah. It was hard. It's a hard industry anyway. Mm Mm-hmm. Support your artists. Support them. But I think what's so tragic about Peg, and also her ghost, is the disorientation. Like, they always describe the ghost as not being completely with it. Mm -hmm. Which, if you subscribe to ghost theory, it means that her spirit has no idea what happened. That's really tragic. Being so confused for eternity. Mm -hmm. Because you're flying and then you're not. Yeah, suddenly you're on the ground and you don't know where you are. And you're like, am I dead? Am I alive? Did what I think I just did actually happen? Because mm-hmm. a lot of the people who throw themselves off of the San Francisco Bridge... Yeah, they know A few people down. survive, they know on the way down. And they're like, I should not have done this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's one of our more tragic ghost stories. But we're here to educate. We're here to give you a little bit of history. And we're here to give some spooks. Some fun folklore for mm-hmm. you. This one, not as spooky. But very important, in my opinion. Absolutely. Like, we choose the stories that we tell you very carefully. Mm -hmm. And this one, while very tragic... It's a cautionary tale, and like a relatable one. We hope you find it as interesting as we did to tell you about. And not quite as relatable. But for now, 
we're done. But we'll catch you next time. Across, Across 